podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. My name is David and as is usual these days on General's Orders, I'm joined by the General himself. Had a little bit of a time off over the international break and we're back at it again with as many red arrows as the Fairford Air Show. So uh, how does it feel to come back to yet another red arrow, General? It's the kind of the same for everybody, isn't it? It's like the weather, it rains on everyone. Yeah, good to be back, David. Good chatting to you. Hope you had a nice break. It's uh, it always it feels like deja vu to me. I feel like very <laughs> often you wait two weeks, you can't wait for FPL to come back. Well, first week of international break, you're like, right, this is good. This is a nice break. Second week of the international break, right, I'm ready for it to come back now. It just comes back and slaps you in the face, doesn't it? It's like, why was I? Why was I looking forward to this? You f- you forget what the pain is like, and then. You go through it all again, but even worse. So I'm just, yeah, bank my transfer. That's the only good thing I can take away from from Game Week 5. So hopefully Game Week 6 better. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I even saw people on Twitter say, I miss the international break whenever you come back from one and then you get a red arrow straight away. I mean, I've made no secret. I love the international break. It's an opportunity just to slow down. And yeah, as you, I think you said on the, the Game Week uh, five episode or the one we did in the international break there's no red arrow this weekend which was great and then we came back and we got one so yeah um that's very much the situation but i suppose if people are out there watching this and they're sort of like a bit frustrated with how the game week's gone well don't worry because you are joined by two people also did not enjoy game week five got red arrows as i said it's red arrows kind of across the board i as part of what i do for scout i am the one that does the photoshop stuff to get all these numbers down the bottom and you know ticks red arrow or green arrow in the in the list of layers and i can i can only think of maybe two or three of our contributors and we have quite a lot of them who've had any green arrows in the last two game weeks so um it's just the way it is right now uh, and and conversely there's lots of people out there who don't take it as seriously as us who actually seem to have good game weeks when the template has a bad one. Oh, that's frustrating as well, isn't it? Mark? How how are your your family uh, getting on compared to you right now? Are any of them beating you right yeah, now? Yeah, a couple of family men in leagues, but more so it's the it's the league. I'm in a league with a couple of casual managers, and it's the same every season. When we get to game week five, game week six, I'm I'm nowhere near the top. So I think at the last two game weeks, I'm maybe there's about twelve people in the league, and I'm about sixth. So it's it's not a it's not a fun mini league to click into. You know, guys who definitely don't put as much time in as me. Uh, probably a bit harsh to call them casuals because they've got a little bit more interested in the last season or two. Um, but yeah, it frustrates me seeing that, you know, fifth or sixth place in that mini league and you you click in and there's Salas, there's Alvarez's, there's there's I mean, good picks that I that I don't have. But um yeah, non-template teams that are performing very well. So uh, it's a, I, think, I think it's a very interesting time in FPL. It's I run the Elite 64 Mini League. I've been running it for maybe six or seven seasons. It's made up of some of the best managers in the world. And I don't think I've seen, quite seen a start like this for so many of them. There's a lot of them, you know, 2 million, 3 million, 4 million. So it's going to be very interesting to kind of watch that this season and how the different managers approach the kind of recovery and, and, and fighting back from a difficult start. So, yeah, again, there's plenty of people out there that have had a difficult start. So don't panic. It's still early days, and there's a lot of us in the same boat here. Like I said, some of the some of the managers that I rate, you know, probably in my top five or top ten of managers in the world, some of them are three million rank at the moment. So uh, we're in good company if if we've had a bad start. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. We're all in the same boat. And thankfully, the boats are all the same size, just about. So, because we've got 15 players. So, yeah, the, most people's circumstances are largely the same. So, hopefully, we can all help each other um, rise up the ranks. And one other way, of course, you can rise up the ranks is uh, by using the Fantasy Football Scout members area. Uh, we won't actually be looking at it too much, I don't think, in this particular um, video podcast. But, you know, there's lots of videos out there that go into very intricate detail. And if you want access to be able to play with those tools, um, you know, on your own without having to uh, to uh, to lean on us to to show you how it works and of course the membership is is the way to do that save 30 percent still at these pre-season prices very generous uh, of uh, of the people above me who set this sort of thing it's not up to me all I, it's my job just to tell you how good the deal is and to go sign it up so yeah get that sorted for game week six especially if you've had a bad start as well because uh, there's a lot of information out there that will help you recover from a bad start so let's just uh let's let's go into the specifics of I was about to say of the bad start, but I don't want to sort of like rub it in. But do obviously appreciate that I've had a bad game week as well. Let's have a look at your game week five team, which we've got on the screen, um, Mark. I'll, I'll go through the players for the benefit of the podcast listeners. Turner, Gusto, Gabriel, Chilwell, Saka, Madison, Fernandez, Rashford, Jackson, Harland, Captain, Watkins with Johnson, Estupinan, Bayer and Camber on the bench. 41 points for game week five. So yeah, what were your, your biggest success and biggest failures of the game week, do you feel? Yeah, I think well, certainly not too many successes. Um, the Haaland captaincy was quite quite satisfying to see him get that goal because I know a lot of people went against him uh, on paper. Maybe West Ham was a difficult fixture, but he absolutely smashed it in terms of the numbers. You know, I think he had five or six big chances. So I was happy I stuck to my auto captain Haaland strategy, which would definitely helped limit the damage uh, because if I, if I had Youngman son, there obviously would have been some temptation there. I also. I think my big win was just resisting the the, the Sun FOMO because like anyone who didn't have Hyungman Sun, I was like anyone else on, on, on Friday. You know, the temptation was there. You see everyone buying him. You see all the top managers posting their teams on, on Twitter, you know, right after the deadline. You see Sun, 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 and you're like, right, this is uh, this is scary now. Um, but again, I always have that. I just on my list of golden rules, it's don't let fear rule your transfers. Don't you know panic into a FOMO transfer on a Friday? And again, I'm glad I stuck to my guns. Didn't buy Hyungmin Son, and I've got that extra transfer now, which I think is probably going to save me from from playing the wild card, which is which is which is good because I do want to hold it a little bit longer. Elsewhere, Gusto's been a, a bit of a hero the last couple of weeks, and Saka got the assist. Apart from that, like a lot of teams, I hate a lot of my players right now. Um, you know, triple Chelsea does not feel good at the moment. Double Manchester United midfield continues to disappoint. Watkins is chipping away, but no goals yet. So that's a bit of a concern as well. Gabriel's fixtures are turning. Uh, so yeah, lots of issues. But again, two free transfers, maybe a bit of surgery. And I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, whether to wildcard or not to wildcard. But at the moment, leaning towards not doing so. Goalkeepers as well. I've got Turner and Johnston. I'm just hoping that that's going to be okay for a little bit longer, that at least one of them keeps their place and I'm not forced into a goalkeeper transfer. I'd rather do that when when the wildcard time comes. So overall, 41 points. I mean, 41 points actually feels okay. I did get a red arrow, but you know, seeing some people score under 30, I'm just grateful to kind of get out of there without without too much damage. Yeah, it was a good game week to have a bad game week. That's kind of when the average is around 44, it's okay if it's not too good uh, for you because, yeah, it, it's probably... You're, you're, your red arrow wasn't that big is it about 400k places which at this stage of the season is yeah. 
is not bad. So, um, and certainly, you know, reversible with a decent game week next time out um, at the rank bracket you're at. So, yeah, for sure. And actually, uh, there's a lot of people bemoaning that they made the wrong decision on Turner's week because I think Pickford did outscore Turner. Um you made the right decision because you got two points for Turner and one for Johnston. So small victories, right? Small wins, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. You make Although an small, ex- small victories lead to the to hopefully winning the war in the end. Exactly, exactly. That's the thing. You just got to keep them coming. Um, but and but but the big victory. It's it. I I hadn't thought of it this way with the Son thing. Not going Son potentially an advantage um, if you can get that transfer used uh, properly. I mean, it's I'm I'm pleased to see, you know, someone else resisted because I, I didn't go with Son either. It's hard, isn't it, when everyone else is going for a particular player? I mean, did you feel that he would get something or were you surprised by the blank? I mean, you know, it's worth us talking about it, even though neither of us have the player. Um, perhaps maybe makes us a bit more objective because we're not so emotionally invested in that blank. Yeah, I, I, there's obviously hindsight involved here, but I did think he was being, you know, slightly overhyped. I think, you know, he had an incredible amount of transfers in, which is what happens nowadays if a player scores a hat-trick. And it did feel like a perfect storm. You know, he's off the back of a hat-trick, uh, Sheffield United fixture, playing out of position and playing for a really good attacking team. Um, I had a really, I was back in Ireland during the break and I had a really interesting chat with a with a, an old friend of mine who I hadn't seen for a long time. He's... He says himself he doesn't have a huge amount of knowledge about the Premier League, but he's an incredibly intelligent guy. Uh, currently doing a PhD in statistics, uh, and he was saying he's he's you know finished bottom of the mini league the last couple of years. So this year he's actually you know made you know some of his own code to to help him hopefully shoot up the mini league. And we were talking about Youngman's son, and he was saying you know he was talking about he had a few quotes from Warren Buffett and stuff, and he was on about we were just talking about Youngman's son, and we were both basically saying everyone's buying son, but we're not buying him. We need to try and basically by the next Youngman son, you know, the hat-trick's gone. We need to try and get the next Youngman son. And that's that's the key to FPL, um, you know, trying to get the hat-tricks before they actually happen. And the, the thing with Son was, again, there's hindsight involved here. I had serious FOMO. I expected him to score at least maybe, maybe one at least. Um, so it's easy to say now that I'm glad I didn't go for him. The, 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 the main reason I didn't go for him was because I, I would have had to lose a decent asset, at least a decent asset on paper, Bruno, Rashford or Saka. And they all had good fixtures, I thought, at least. I do probably have too much faith in Manchester United so far this season. But it was a case of selling a good asset for another good asset or banking the transfer. And in most cases this season... I will probably fall on the side of bank and the transfer if that's the case. Uh, and I did have this nagging feeling as well. I always feel like during an international break, the week after an international break can be very odd. You can get odd results and you can get odd FPL game weeks and it's it certainly happened again. So yeah, it's you know I Like I said, it's easy to say now. I'm glad I didn't go for him, but I, I was seriously fearing him at the weekend. Not just because of all of his new owners, because of the fixture, out of position, love the player. So yeah, it was... Uh, just uh, I dodged a bullet. I feel like I dodged the Sterling bullet the week before, when a lot of people bought him, and I dodged the Sun bullet again. So it's it's becoming a becoming a season of dodging bullets, which is which is on brand for this for this video. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good uh, defensive tactics there for sure. I mean, yeah, I I actually the, the thing is, I, so I did uh, I did stats of the day on Saturday night because Karen um, was is away um, and had a look at Son's heat map for the game, and I realised a couple of things while I was preparing for it. So I'm actually going to issue a kind of like semi-official apology here because I feel like content creators we don't do this enough where we turn around and go oh you know what I think we maybe got that wrong so I'm going to specifically talk about myself here so not anybody else there was a lot of hype around Son which I totally understood I was never completely sure um 
whether or not I felt he was... I was never sitting here going, you have to get him. He's essential. I was never in that camp. But at the same time, I, was, I wasn't I was rubbishing him either. I was just in a kind of place where I felt he's probably going to get something. It's just whether or not you feel that's like dependent for your team. But the reason why I want to apologise is because I realised something. Looking at the heat map, looking at the way Sheffield United played in that game and looking at the fixtures Spurs had played up until now. Um, because in all of the games they played, I think it was Brentford, United, and then they played Bournemouth and then Burnley. There's four teams there that all play all play football based around possession. You know, you've got a, t- like a t- big top six team like Man United always going to try and get on the ball and play football. Brentford are very much in that position right now. Bournemouth and Burnley are not big teams, but they've got managers that are based around trying to play a high press, trying to play an intense type of football, which if it fails, which it's going to against a team like Spurs, because how can you outpress a team like Spurs that basically does it with better players there's always going to be space that opens up for a center forward who's got pace and that and that was the recurring team for all of those four games now admittedly son only played up front for one of them but are Sheffield United that team no are Sheffield United the sort of team that are going to stick everyone behind the ball yes we should have realized that in many ways because it's exactly what they did to Man City and so then we're looking at the heat map son barely touched the ball in the box compared to a lot of his colleagues in fact the wingers saw more um, touches in the box than he did and there was loads of touches really deep because he was getting frustrated he wasn't able um, to get the opportunities he wanted so he started dropping deep to try and make those chances himself and the reason why I want to apologise is because I never at any point put it to, put that together they played four games against teams that don't play a low block they're going up against a low block team that actually restricted Man City to nearly a one-all draw and if perhaps maybe that had been more part of the dialogue, maybe fewer managers would have got burned is kind of the way I look at it. Um, and so, but I suppose the the biggest lesson from that is with every week you get a new piece of data that can help inform decisions in the future. Because now we can turn around and say, well, when Spurs play a low block, maybe that's the kind of week where we don't go all in on Spurs because we know they're going to get better results against teams that try and play football. And I suppose if we're looking for silver linings for some, manage, uh, some managers, they do have Arsenal and Liverpool next who you would imagine aren't going to play a low block. So that's kind of like my view on how the Son situation's gone. Um, yeah. And yeah. I'm just thinking back as well to my decision-making process. And it was a big factor was I already had Madison. And I always, it always comes down to fixtures for me. And I knew the Sheffield United fixture was a good one on paper for Spurs, but then Arsenal and Liverpool afterwards. And I, I thought to myself, when FPL, you know, when the FPL website refreshes for game week six and I go to set my boss team, Am I going to be happy to see Madison and Son with two difficult fixtures? And that kind of put me off as well. If I didn't already own Madison, then there would have been a much greater chance I would have went for Youngman Son last week. So uh, that was that was another part of the decision making process. Mm, yeah. And again, just on just on out of position players, I think maybe you know football's changing all the time. You we probably get overexcited, to, you know, too overexcited as FPL managers when someone plays out of position up front. Um, you know, maybe a lot of players are better a little bit deeper. They get on the ball more. I'm thinking about Rashford. We don't like him up front. We like him on the left. Uh, and and then when I'm thinking about strikers at the moment, Watkins comes to mind. Jackson comes to mind. There's not very many strikers actually scoring goals in the Premier League at the moment. Um, and again, it's another reason why I, I I would prefer to be on five midfielders in FPL. I'm still on a three four three, and and that might continue just because I'm fighting some other fires at the moment. But um, yeah, it's worth it's worth I think tempering our expectations if we see a midfielder in FPL you know, play up front because it doesn't always necessarily mean it's going to be a good thing for the player. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if he if he was playing, I mean, I suppose the thing is, again, it's we could probably link those two points together. One, one about the opposition and the low block and, and one about out-of-position players. 
a game against a low block team is probably not going to benefit someone like Son, who is not a traditional centre forward. He's the sort of player who thrives on space um, and obviously is more traditionally utilised as a wide forward. You know, he's not the sort of player that you're going to be able to play the ball up to with his back to goal. Um, whereas you might you more comfortably do that with a Harry Kane uh, or an Ollie Watkins, for example. Um, and so, yeah, like it, the fixture comes into that out of position sometimes because, yeah, it's just kind of not in his locker, which is not to criticise him. That's just not the type of uh, player that he is, really. Um, but yeah, certainly you, you've obviously mentioned you've got four midfielders and uh, you're doing 3-4-3. Three, three. So what I will do is stick your bus team on the screen. Um, some slight tweaks. Uh, Johnston comes back in because, uh, of course, Turner's facing Man City. Estupinan comes back in as well. So it's Estupinan, Gusto, Chilwell across the back. Saka, Madison, Fernandes and Rashford, Jackson, Harlan, Captain and Watkins. So a couple of substitutions there. You've got two free transfers. Um, yeah, where the, where's, where's the work going to go? Yeah, so it's time to get on the, the the gloves and the the overalls, and it's I think it is time for a bit of surgery. I've been threatening to do a bit of surgery for a while. There was a, I think Sunday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, strong wildcard temptation again, but you know had a look at it, had to think about things, and I, I think when, it's very hard to wildcard when you have two free transfers because I think you know two free transfers and a minus four, the mini wildcard gets you pretty close to where you want to be, and I think the main reason why. I don't think I'm going to wildcard is this season, it just still seems a bit nuts at the moment. From week to week, a lot of things are changing. You know, Sterling was essential two weeks ago. Son was essential last week. Sal is essential this week. You know, who's it going to be next week? So it's the season hasn't really settled down yet. And I can't, I don't feel like I can confidently build a wildcard squad that is going to, you know, serve me well long term. It's obviously in the back of my mind too. It's probably a long time until I play my second wild card. So it's it's a long spell of time for a new set of troops. And I'm just not ready to do that yet. I feel like I don't have enough, enough information and I just want to see a few more trends. I'd like to see how the Champions League affects things a wee bit as well in terms of you know which players are going to get rotated and stuff like that in certain teams. Not just Champions League, the, the Europa League and Conference League as well for the likes of, of Villa and Brighton and, and those teams. So leaning towards no wild card, because again, there is issues in this team, but a lot of it can be fixed with two frees and maybe a minus four. So very early thoughts before any Champions League games happen. I don't want to ignore my defence any longer. I've been holding on to Gabriel for too long. He did get the clean sheets, which was nice, but of course he had to throw in a yellow card for good measure. Um, so I'm, I think I'm finally going to sell Gabriel. Chilwell is an issue now. I don't really want to have a Chilwell headache every week is he going to start is he not going to start so I think I'm going to make two defensive transfers not very exciting but Gabriel and Chilwell out and I've got enough cash for double Newcastle defence so Trippier and probably Botman I think I've got 0.1 wiggle room for that so I'll keep a close eye on that over the next couple of days but it should be okay until Friday I think and then you know straight away I think the team will be looking a lot better because you'd have a you know a back four this week at Johnston a stupid and double Newcastle defence not ideal keeping Bruno and Rashford, but it is it is Burnley. And Rashford's numbers were pretty good. I think it was nine shots, six in the box in the last game. Bruno can be dealt with in the near future if he continues to disappoint. Madison still think he could be a season keeper. Sack is absolutely fine. Haaland's obviously staying. And then you've got Watkins and Jackson. And Watkins is not scoring goals, but I think he will score goals. It's, it's probably a matter of time. And as long as he's chipping in with those assists, he's not the weakest link in the squad. Uh, so I think Watkins might survive and the fixtures improve for Villa soon as well. But Jackson, certainly on the chopping block. So I think 
early thoughts, two defensive transfers, Trippier and Botman for Chilwell and Gabriel, and then maybe wait until Saturday and see if there's a Manchester City team leak because there's no early kickoff. Man City play at three o'clock. We could get Manchester City teams. And then Jackson to Alvarez minus four. I think if if I got if I got news that Alvarez was definitely starting, I would be open to doing that minus four, getting rid of Jackson, who's an underperforming asset, one yellow card away from a booking. And then with a minus four, I think the squad is already looking a lot healthier. And I think Gusto would be my first sub in that scenario. So it'll be a bench of Gusto, Bayer, and Nakamba. So that's where I'm at. So all eyes on, on City Champions League this week as well. They've got a you know an easy fixture. So be nice if Alvarez got the night off or got some reduced minutes. So yeah, I'm open to the minus four and not wildcard. And so interested to hear your thoughts on those. Yeah, no, I like that. I think Newcastle defence now is the time, uh, to be honest, because yeah, fixtures turn uh in a, in a positive direction, but also the stats we've seen from Newcastle in the in the beginning of the campaign have been really, really good. I mean, when you consider the opposition that they faced, it makes it even better, to be honest. So I'm just um, pulling up their defensive numbers for the start of the season. They're conceding actually at a very slow rate. A uh, number of big chances they've conceded uh, is five, which is the fewest in the whole league. And when you consider they faced Man City, Liverpool and Brentford, who are, you know, a big team for XG creation um, in the last three... That's it. That's some incredible stats. So when they get these good fixtures, I think Newcastle defence is back. It had a bit of time off as a place to invest at the end of last season, but I think that they are back to their best now. I'm mildly concerned about what the European um, impact is going to be. So, but the double is is brilliant. The double defence idea is a brilliant one because I think a lot of people. Will, will will probably be a bit nervous because of the Europeans to only go for one of them. And then you you then effectively turn a shield into a sword, to use the, Joe's old expression from the Scoutcast. It's like, if everyone gets a Newcastle clean sheet, so what? But if you get it twice, perfect. And they do seem like the team most likely to keep clean sheets in a season where they're actually coming at a premium. There's very few clean sheets this season. I, I don't know what the updated figures were. Um, after game week five, but I'm pretty sure game week one to four, it was the fewest clean sheets we'd ever seen uh, in the FPL era in the first four. I don't know about Premier League, but um, in the in the years of, of, of fantasy Premier League, the fewest clean sheets ever. So Newcastle, one of the few teams that actually look like they can keep one. So I think that's definitely a good idea. And uh, yeah, Alvarez is, is really annoying me <laughs> because there's so many reasons not to get him. Um, you know, and and the problem is, is that the the casuals, as we've referred to them earlier on, a lot of them have him because he's getting the points, and and the measurements that they use to hire these players for their teams is number of points, and we sometimes try and go deeper than that and look at the sort of the whys and the what fours, and we think about rotation, and and interesting enough, he's actually a bit of an XG overachiever as well. Both uh, he's an XG and an XA overachiever. He's only had an XGI of like 2.9 goals a season. There's like 15, 20 players with higher XGI than him, and yet he's still performing. So there's all sorts of reasons not to go for him, but the people who are sticking with him are still getting the points. And sometimes world-class players do that. They overachieve for a long period of time. He wouldn't be the first City player to do that. So, yeah, he's on my mind as well, um, because I've also got Jackson. Just just on Alvarez as well, when we're talking about him, it's like you you, you made the the point about Newcastle defence there of, if everyone gets a clean sheet, so what? But if you've got two of them, that's where you benefit. And loads of us have just one city player. You know, if we all have Haaland and he does well, so what? We you know, we really, we really should be trying to get points from 
elsewhere in the best team in the league. And I know it's hard with Pep and rotation and everything else, but I just think when Alvarez is there, he's getting 90 minutes almost every week. There's injuries elsewhere. Pep is talking him up. I know that's not always been a good thing in the past, but I just think Alvarez, in my mind, is shot above Foden as an FPL asset at the moment. And, and when there's not many other strikers scoring goals, I just feel like he's an easy pick at the moment. Um, you know, he's he's flying... There's there's definitely more reasons to buy him now, I think, than not buy him. Um, so yeah, I think I think we just need to probably bite the bullet and go there sooner rather than later. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's certainly one. He's on my list uh, of players to, to sign for my team as well. I'll stick mine up on the screen. Uh, Thirty-seven points. So uh, you beat me this week, Mark, by I think four points. Um, I'm trying to work out exactly where and why that happened. I mean, it was in the, it, to be honest, it was, it was another rough week. My bench looks like a, a flight of the Concords binary solo one zero one one. From Flecken, the stupid and Archer and Anderson, which kind of just sums things up. But yeah, the actual team itself: two points for Turner, one I think for Cash, five for Gabrielle, as he said, got himself the yellow. Zero for Chilwell, one for Madison, two for Burmo, five for Diaby, two for Foden, six for Saka, one for Jackson, twelve for Harland. So yeah, I mean, similar issues, I guess, because Chilwell uh, I need to deal with. I think Foden I probably also need to deal with as well. Um, and Jackson I need to deal with. They're probably the big three. Uh, I'm not that unhappy with everybody else. I mean, it's, it's not like a bad team, but there's still issues I've got to deal with. Um, I've got two free transfers as well. I I don't actually know exactly what I'm going to do this week, but I think I'm probably going to do Gabriel to Botman. That's probably the only one I'm definitely on. Um, I kind of feel like selling Jackson. I guarantee if I sell Jackson, he'll score this week. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's kind of my thinking now. I'll just stick my bus team on the screen as well, actually. Um, slight tweaks, because uh, Stupinan comes back in, Anderson back in as well. So it's Flecken, oh, also coming back in. So Flecken, Stupinan, Anderson, Chilwell, Madison and Burmo, Diaby, Foden, Saka, Jackson and Haaland is my current bus team with Turner, Archer, Cash and Gabrielle on the bench. I think Gabrielle is going to go, though. So um, I may end up with a bit of a benching headache between maybe an Anderson and a Botman, but I just think we have to go for Newcastle uh, for now. My other thing is I am trying to work out what my Salah in plan is, which I think we're going to talk about uh, a little bit later. But um, yeah, I've got 4.9 million in the bank, so I'm loathe to use both my transfers and spend it. Interestingly enough, what I do with Salah might impact what I do with Trippier, you know, because that would involve upgrading someone. Um, So yeah, I don't don't know what you think about um, my ideas there. Yeah, I think we will get into Salah a little bit later in the video. And I think Salah definitely has a knock-on effect of what we do this week because we need to, I think, basically we need to decide whether we get Salah soon or we kind of make our bed or stay in the bed that we're currently in and don't get him until we wildcard. Uh, because that, I think the people who do want to keep the door open for him soon will probably, even if they're going for double Newcastle defence, they might go Botman and Fabian Scher instead of Trippier and one of those guys because Trippier obviously eats up a lot of budget. Um, yeah, and again, on your on your Botman versus Anderson, if you do end up with that bench and headache, I just think if... If Gehi and Lerma are still out for Palace, it's two extremely important defensive assets. I think they're. I know it's it's a good fixture, but um, and I'm hoping for a Johnson clean sheet, but I'm not overly confident if if those guys are still out. So uh, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, I'd definitely play Botman over 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 Anderson. Yeah. You've you've uh, you convinced me. You convinced me. Yeah, I think that may lock in my transfer to be honest. And yeah, I need to go and do some maths. I need to work and do some maths over the next couple of weeks to work out how Salah does or doesn't fit into the team. But as we said, we are going to talk about that a little bit later. So let's move on to our first order of the day, um, which uh, involves the W word once again. Yeah, the the WC, which obviously has a nice double meaning when, when a lot of people had a had a game week in the toilet <laughs> this week. Uh, 
First order is only wildcard if you absolutely need to. Um, a lot of people are sitting looking at their teams after a long international break, after a pretty disappointing game week five and thinking, right, time for a refresh. But give it lots of thought before you do it. There's no rush. If you haven't activated, activated it yet, I know a lot of people probably rage activate it on Saturday or Sunday, and that's fine. If your team needs it, that's fine. You've got plenty of time now to build a new team. But, um, you know, myself and yourself are good examples. We've got the two free transfers. If you've got two frees, certainly give yourself some pause before activating the wildcard because you can fix a lot of things with two frees and maybe a minus four. You might even be open to a minus eight if, if you've only got one free transfer to, to hold on to the wildcard a little bit longer. And if you get the get those transfers right, you can certainly get those points back and more over the medium to long term. So it's very much, I think, the easy decision this week without giving it any thought would just be wildcard and just rip out Chelsea, rip out Watkins, rip out Manchester United midfielders, you know, pick loads of Newcastle defenders, but don't don't rush the decision. And I think there's a lot of scenarios where you'll have people who were sitting on Sunday night thinking this team definitely needs a wild card. And we're now Tuesday. If you're watching this Wednesday, Thursday, you're probably thinking, do you know what? Maybe the team doesn't actually need a wild card. Maybe I do agree with Mark that this season is still up in the air. Things are changing on a week-to-week basis. Europe's kicking in now just to make things even trickier. Maybe I would like another couple of weeks for for a wild card decision. So um yeah, only wild card if you absolutely need to. And don't get me wrong, there is team there is plenty of teams out there that definitely do need a wild card if you're, you know, maybe you still have a Pickford, maybe you've got more injuries than we do, one free transfer. If you're just really, really sick of your team and it really is underperforming. And and again, maybe if you had a you know, sub 30 point game week, you might be more inclined to wild card than if you got 40 or, or 45 this week. So uh, the main the main takeaway is just don't rush the decision. If you haven't activated it yet, don't worry too much about price changes. You could always activate Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but just be 100% sure that it's the right decision for your team before you actually press the button. Hmm. You make a good point about price changes actually, because I haven't really seen that many managers f- suffering that desperation of Oh, I have to do this transfer. If I don't do it tonight, I lose the point one, and I can't. Or I can't do the transfer. Um, it seems to be another season where money isn't really an issue. So certainly, I would echo that thought of don't let the pressure of price changes impact your decisions because I don't really think it matters in a season when we can actually afford to play point one to, to pay point one for extra information, which is going to be especially important in the first week of the Champions League. Yeah, a good example of that is I had strong wildcard temptation Sunday night so what I did was I built a wildcard squad and as is often the case you build it with 0.0 left to spare and I thought right and straight away you have that fear oh maybe I need to press the wildcard here because there's 0.0 but when you actually take a step back and look at it uh, I think Trippier and Botman were in there so you know Trippier could just be Fabian Cher I think James Board Prowse was in the team which I wasn't fun, you know feeling fantastic about he could be a, a cheaper midfielder or a cheaper forward, someone like an Edward or even a Morris with a double game week coming up. So there's always a solution. I always say that there's always a solution. That's a, a line I've stolen from Tom Freeman from a few years ago. And I, and I use it very often because it, it really struck a chord with me and it kind of matches my style of play. Um, again, another example from Sunday night was I had 0.0 in the bank with that wildcard squad. Brian Mbumo was going up in price that night. So I think what some people probably did was brought in Mbumo Sunday night and then 
maybe will decide later in the week if they want a wild card or not. And if they don't, they've still got you know a good asset with good fixtures coming up anyway. So many different ways to play it. But again, my experience in FPL is I don't worry about price changes too much. And it might get a little bit trickier now because Salah's in the equation. But like I said, if you can't afford a trip here, just get a Fabian share and he might get you more you know, bang for buck anyway in terms of points per million. So yeah, don't stress over, over team value. Mm, yeah, and also fixtures as well. I'm going to sound like a broken record here. Game week nine, that fixture swing that week is is quite severe in that that's when Chelsea's fixtures massively shoot to the bottom of the season ticker. Man City's get a lot harder as well. Um, a couple of other teams that people are invested in, like Spurs dropped down a little bit on the season ticker around that time. And then Liverpool, West Ham, Wolves, Nottingham Forest, Crystal Palace, uh, they all shoot to the top. And, you know, Wolves actually are still going under the radar. I think Neto's numbers are good. And so his current output of points is sustainable. And he's like 5.5 million. And everyone's too scared to touch him because of the start of last season. So he could be a good, interesting differential. But would you want to sign him outside of a wildcard? Probably not really. Not really. Um, you know, Forrest, you know, uh, Awanihi, um, and uh, I think Gibbs White are good options as well. But again, like you're not going to switch to them necessarily as your replacement for you know say Jackson to 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 I mean he maybe wouldn't do that this week you want to be able to maximize the changes you want to go from a team that's completely different to a team that's completely different when you play that wild card and there's and there's definitely bigger opportunities in the future than than game week uh, six I think so yeah um, I just feel like as well it's it's just it kind of drives it home for me you know how quickly the landscape is changing on a week-to-week basis it's it's changing quicker than ever um you know, the narratives are changing. Players quickly go from essential to to being sold. And I just think if we're in game weeks, going into game week six now, when we get to game week nine or 10, things could be totally different. You know, the, the wildcard squad that I built on Sunday night, there, could, there might only be three or four of those picks in a game week 10 wildcard team. So I'm just not ready. I'm not confident enough to play it. Um, hasn't been a fantastic start, but the, the, my 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 start doesn't impact whether I want a wild card or not. People always think, "Oh, I'm three million ranked, should I wild card?" It doesn't matter what your rank is or your mini league. It's it's about the players you have, and if if you've got a semi decent team, uh, you've got a couple of transfers to fix that, and you can take a hit or two. You know, I think that, that that's more important than where you actually are in in mini leagues or or overall rank. Yeah, completely agree. And you know what? That point is driven home even more uh, by this week's edition of Dad's Army, which uh, I, I deliberately haven't told you about um, because I, I feel like I want to capture your your live reaction once again. <laughs> and I can see the Roy smile already. He's like, oh, no. I don't even want to hear this. <laughs> so, obviously, my, my dad has had a good couple of weeks. He got 97 last week. Um, he, like many casuals this week, got 58 points in game week five. Um, because that's just what they do. When we have a bad game week, they do really well. Uh, Anana, um, White still delivering for my dad. Um, Dan Byrne. And do you know what his transfer was this week? <laughs> he signed he Tim... sideways from Newcastle? No? He signed Tim Ream. <laughs> and he got eight points out of Tim Ream. <laughs> that's disgusting. <laughs> I can't, I can't remember who he sold him for, but I mean, just the fact that he signed Tim Ream and got eight points for it, like instant reward. I just, I love it. And then uh, and Burmo, uh, Matoma, Bowen and, and Saka. So his midfield kind of let him down this week, but he's actually had Alvarez for three or four weeks. So he had Captain uh, Haaland, Alvarez on the nine points, Antonio as well. He even had the luxury of benching Luis Diaz and still got 58 points. And... The, the the worst part, um, and I am really sorry about this because I know he's not going to like this, is my dad, having had a good couple of weeks, is now 1.5 million ranked. So he's about 200, 300k places off yourself, Mark. So 
It's getting tight between you and my dad, even though actually I don't think either of you know of the other other's existence. You've never met each other, to be honest. So, and the way <laughs> things are going, I hope we never meet because <laughs> I mean, you can always, you can go on the FPL website, can't you, and see how many transfers in a player's had in a certain game week. So I think if you if you if you click into Tim Ream's profile, it'll probably say transfers in one. It'll just say David's dad. Yeah, decided. that's probably what it'll be. Uh, <laughs> his ownership right now is 0.9%. I mean, wow. And and so he, he made the team of the week. I, I think he got some bonus. I think that's what it is. Uh, yeah, two bonus. Um, and yeah, I'm just trying to find out who he actually signed, like did the swap for because I feel like that was... Oh, that was it. He sold John Stones. I mean, so actually, actually selling John Stones makes some sense because he's, he's been ruled out. But the fact that he even had John Stones this long, I think, is part of the problem. Um so you know it's just it just continued like farcical things that somehow aren't punishing him so very on brand with, with dad's army so maybe uh, maybe he's just going to target target chef united with his transfers now fulham were playing chef united weren't they uh, uh yes yeah yeah so yeah well all eyes on his next transfer to see if he uh if he targets them again yeah exactly well i i actually don't talk to him i, I actually prefer as in about fpl i talked about other stuff don't worry um <laughs> i don't talk oh, to we're about gonna get stuff. into some awkward stuff there yeah well now you mention it no i'm joking um i deliberately don't ask him what his transfers are because i find it's usually more comical when i log in and see how many points he's got so yeah whatever happens in game week six who knows you you literally can't write this stuff so yeah there we are apologies to, to bring more devastating news to you from the dad's army section mark should we, should we uh, cheer you up a little bit with with the second order yeah which, let's move on yeah let's yeah, move on as quickly as we can uh to some more newcastle chat we kind of already alluded to it but yeah this is order number two yeah, order number two, quite a simple one this week. Uh, invest in the Newcastle defence. So most people are going to be doing this anyway, Just but just to drive it home, you know, the fixtures are turning, you know, big time. I, a lot of people, well, well, a few people probably went there for the Brentford game in game week five. I, I fancied Brentford to score, so I wasn't in a rush to go there. Obviously, that didn't turn out to be the case. But again, it's another, you know, good reason to go to Newcastle. They've got their clean sheet now. And they've got better fixtures to come. So in a season where there isn't many clean sheets, I do have I do have a lot of faith in Newcastle. I know they, you know, long term in the last 24, 25 games, they might only have, you know, three or four clean sheets, but it's it's the fixtures, um, it's the players involved, they've got attacking threat as well, and again, the lack of other options. So Botman, I think Botman should probably be the first pick in everyone's team, just because you know, when FPL launched, we seen him at 4.5, we said that's a mistake. Uh, everyone put him in and then they took him out because of the fixtures. And we said, we'll go back to him game week five, game week six. So here we are. So let's remember what we said and, and let's just go and buy him. 4.5, good for bonus. Some attack and threat as well. Maybe it's not, not as much as Fabian Share or Trippier, but you never know. So Botman, number one, I think, for for price and you know bonus potential. I still like paying the premium for Trippier as well. You know, lots of avenues to points with the set pieces, takes a lot of corners, creates a lot of chances. And Fabian Share, I think, is a good option as well. If you if you want to keep money for Salah, maybe you go maybe you go Share and Botman, and obviously going for just one Newcastle defender is absolutely fine as well. Maybe you buy one this week, and if they do perform well and the defensive numbers are good, maybe you add a second one in the near future. So, I think a big attraction to Newcastle defense as well is because there's a lot of rotation and attack. You've got you know Isak's probably going to play Champions League. Wilson played the whole game in game week five, so. You never know what's going to happen with that position, and that could chop and change over the next couple of weeks with Europe. Barnes, Gordon, Almiron, they're all kind of sharing game time as well. So 
the defense is a good place to go. And I should mention Nick Pope as well. If you are on a wild card this week, strong consideration, I think, should be given to Nick Pope. He is expensive at 5.5. If you, But if you find that you're building a team and cash isn't giving you too much of a concern, I think paying the premium for, for Pope with these fixtures is probably a good idea until you know, a good 4.5 emerges. We still don't really know who the best chief goalkeeper in the game is. It might end up being Ariola. Ariola might become our number one staple uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, maybe, maybe he already is, but he's got. I think he's got Liverpool this week. So, yeah, Nick Pope, the defenders, they're all really good options. So I think if you've got... If you if you feel like you've got weak links in your defence, which most of us probably do now with you know rotation risk, Chilwell, uh, Gabriel fixtures are turning. Maybe Saliba owners might want to sell him as well because of the fixtures. So yeah, Newcastle defence is a good place to spend your cash. Mm. You took the words right out of my mouth on Pope. Actually, I was just having a look at some numbers on him, um, and I think he's worth considering, especially in a context of um, we think, as you say, Botman and Trippier are going to be ones to go for, but. You know there is still a slight risk of rotation. Uh, Trippier, perhaps more so in the sense that Liveramento is available. Um, Pope seems the least likely to get rotated, so you pay that five point five, and you get that on top of the other things. And just some other numbers, just to drive it home again on Newcastle for their defence so far this season. Already alluded to the fact that they're joint best for big chances conceded. They are fourth best uh, for uh, minutes per expected goals conceded. So um, that's uh, still a good place to be. Um, And then in terms of how they're conceding their shots, there is a possibility that Pope can maybe nip in and get some bonus because uh, when you look at how many shots they're conceding in the box, it's actually kind of mid-table in a way that I say that sort of semi-derogatorily. Uh, 45 shots in the box conceded. Only about seven teams have conceded more in the box than them. Um, but then only five of them have been big. So it means that they have done a decent job of limiting their opponents to shooting from um, situations that are going to produce probably a save because Pope has a 72.7 save percentage so far this season. He's plus 0.3 XG prevented, so he's in a a relatively positive place for stopping um, the bigger chances. Um, Those sorts of conditions can usually produce those additionals you want from your goalkeeper. So he's still still capable of that. I think he's not the most capable player of doing that. I still I still think that uh, Ariola, Leno and probably Flecken are ahead of him for the chances of those additionals, but I do think Pope is ahead of those three for chances of clean sheets. So it's kind of like a balancing act and you know w- w- what you're willing to spend on on that bit of money. And then also just again numbers on the on the Newcastle attackers as well. Um I'm going to keep it very simple on this one, right? Callum Wilson doesn't, you know, play as many minutes as we would like, 212 minutes so far this season, but he is the Newcastle player with the highest expected goal involvement because all, and it's just 2.52, and there's about 25 players in the league who have a higher uh, than him. In terms of minutes per, it's very good, and it's very good for a lot of them, but it's just spread around the team because there's so many good attacking players that are like like for like swaps. So it's it's really frustrating. They're a team that are going to win games this year. They're going to do it by playing lots of exciting attacking football, lots of goals. But who is the most likely player to get involved in them? We just don't know yet. So, yeah, it's a wait and see on the attackers for me. But the defence is a must-have, isn't it? Yeah, and just on Wilson as well, I think I've seen a tweet today. You know, we, we've those of us have been playing FPL for a long time. Fitness has always been a bit of a, a worry with Wilson. He's been better in recent seasons. But I've seen a tweet today. I think Eddie Howe was basically... I think people were worried that Wilson wasn't training. And he's, I think his quotes were something along the lines of Wilson rarely trains two days after a game. 
he said that's normal preparation for him. So that doesn't really fill me with confidence either. If if your player is not able to train two days after a game, they obviously have to manage him very, very carefully. And that to me says, well, an injury is never probably too far away with a Callum Wilson. Um, obviously, they're managing, managing, managing him very well in recent months. So hopefully that does continue. But he's also expensive um, FPL-wise when you compare him to some of the other maybe cheaper midfielders and stuff. So... Yeah, could get lots of minutes in the league, but yeah, I don't, I don't really see myself going there. Mm, yeah, it's a lot of muscle problems, which that usually is the one you have to really take care of. You know, anything that's sort of impact related, or you know, dare I say, it's sort of like broken bones and things like that. Weirdly enough, you don't have to be so concerned about. Um, it's it's the muscle ones because, yeah, there's just so much overexertion in in modern football. So yeah, um, it doesn't surprise me. I hadn't seen that tweet, but that doesn't surprise me. They've said that about him specifically. So yeah, yeah, I would, I would definitely fact fact check that. I can't even reference who the, the <laughs> Twitter account was. But um, the, do you know what? Do you know what the most annoying thing is about Kyle Molson? What what does he do every time he scores? Oh, he does your salute, doesn't he? He does the salute. <laughs> so he's uh, he's definitely. Maybe uh, maybe listen to the podcast a couple of years ago when uh, when I when he scored every time I didn't own him and he was a proper proper FPL troll back in the day, wasn't he? He, he really was. was. Uh, you'd have him for the good fixtures and he'd do nothing and then he would troll you and the others. So uh, I've I've got a I've got a bit of bitterness FPL wise <laughs> towards him. Fantastic player, obviously, but uh, that salute uh, it hurts me every time he does it. It's copyright infringement, arguably. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, statistically, he has always been an anomaly because there was a time when he would have lots of shots and he would not score. Then there was times when he would have like one a game and it would always go in. His stats kind of busting thing these days is the fact that he has brilliant numbers that look like someone who's playing all the time, but actually he's just a substitute. He's like the best super sub since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is what I still insist. Um one thing I will say, um, if you do ever meet my dad, you can bond over your opinion of Callum Wilson. He dislikes him, and I've said this before, as a West Ham fan, he seems to always score against West Ham. He scored against West Ham when he was playing for Bournemouth about four or five years ago with his hand. It went completely unnoticed by, well, just only VAR. And after the game, he was asked, Callum, how did you put the ball in the net for the, uh, the second goal? And he just turns around, looks at the BBC cameras and goes, magic right <laughs> and my dad was like he was so annoyed so there we go at the very least you can bond over that and just don't talk about fpl that sounds good <laughs> uh well speaking of family uh how's your little boy getting on we're gonna have a visit with sonny soldiers now with the most beautiful sight i've ever seen in fpl of all time because wow we got four spurs players in midfield i love this talk us through it man it's lovely, isn't it? It's uh, I think the fact that it's the quite crisp, clean white Tottenham shirt as well. It just looks even better. And you know, to get to get four midfielders, it, it's just uh, you couldn't you couldn't read it really. So we obviously had Brennan Johnson from the start of the season when he was at Nottingham Forest, and then he joined Spurs to join his son Madison and Richarlison. So he's got a beautiful Tottenham midfield four, and I had to. I had to start all of them this week, uh, just just to make it look nice. And the the goal now is to go as long as possible without making a transfer because obviously if, if this team makes a transfer, it has to sell. It'll be forced to sell a Tottenham asset. And then the goal is also, another goal is to have a game week where all four midfielders get an attack in return. And I don't think that's out of the realms of possibility. Um, you know, they'll probably all get minutes in most games, so there's always a chance. Brennan Johnson actually scored a fantastic goal at the weekend, which was which was chalked off. 
were offside. A really, really good goal, which reminded me of Deli Alley actually when he was in his in his Tottenham days. Richardson off the bench to score, but overall it wasn't a great game week for Sonny. Thirty six points. I was very worried actually. I was going to lose again because I knew he had Robertson. I knew he had that guy Callum Wilson saluting when he scored as well. But uh, I just about managed. I think the Watkins assessed the the Gusto clean sheet and and the Haaland captaincy obviously got me over the line because Youngman Son. I was. Given that I didn't buy Youngman Son and I knew Sonny had him captain, it was uh it was a scary weekend when Tottenham were playing. I think I, I just went I actually went and did the big weekly supermarket shop on at three o'clock on Saturday because uh I needed to take my mind off things and there's never any there's never any phone signal in the Morrisons where I do my shopping. So uh I couldn't even put in the headphones or anything. So I knew I was in a safe place from from FPL pain and walked every single aisle, looked at every single product and, and took as long as I could just to delay the inevitable <laughs> pain, which which obviously hit me when I got back to the car. So yeah, thankfully I got back to winning ways. I think that's 4-1 for me now against Sonny so far. And like I said, just probably not going to make any transfers on this team and just try and leave the four Spurs guys there for, for as long as possible. I think the best thing about that story is I think you chose the only major shopping brand that has the word sun in the name. Uh, I didn't even realize that. <laughs> so it's all on brand. I'm, I'm drawn towards Morrison's. Exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, uh, we, Morrison was, was it West Brom he used to play for? Am I thinking of the right player? I mean, he, he would have. He yeah, was James Morrison, yeah. I think, was it? Yeah, that's right. What a wonderful world, you know. <laughs> um, but Maybe yeah. I, need to, I definitely need to. I need to pick a different shop next week. I think you're going to have to. Yeah, for sure. Um, and also, I, what other thing I want to point out here, which I think is quite f- funny, I can just imagine your weekend going this way. Um, you're scared about Son, and then he blanks, right? But then Richarlison gets two attacking returns, and, and he's got him as well. He just course, he, yeah. he knows what he's doing. Clearly, he it, just it, finds a way. Yeah, exactly. It's in his blood. And again, I'm just thinking about it now. If, if the Johnson goal wasn't ruled out, he I think he beats me because. Ooh. I think he beat me by five points, or I beat him by five points, or maybe, or maybe even a draw. If bonus sneak, if Johnson sneaked a bonus point, which he probably would have, then uh, so yeah, thank you, thank you VAR for for that one. <laughs> yeah, so you can take a four-one lead over your how old is he now seventh month old yeah, son? Six, yeah, almost seven months. Must feel good. <laughs> it does feel good. It does feel good. Right, let's move on to our final order then uh, this week, which uh, well, possibly even the biggest subject of of the week, or at least the next few weeks. It's the man himself, the Egyptian king, um, first double-figure hall of the season for Mo Salah. And he's very much on people's shopping lists, especially with that game week nine fixture swing coming along. So, yeah, take us away, Mohamed Salah. Yeah, order number three. Again, another simple one. Make plans for Mo. We, a lot of us, don't have him. If you do have him, and if you've had him from the start, well done, because you had more faith than I did. And... He's chipping away. He's not explosive, but he's chipping away. And you, you certainly got your rewards in game week five. So those of us who don't have him now, we need to decide what to do. Um, and if you're making transfers this week, you might want to, you know, you've got to factor in, am I going to want to buy Salah soon? Because in that case, maybe you don't go for a trip here, for example. Fixture-wise, it's always about fixtures for me. And when I look at them, West Ham, Tottenham, Brighton in the next three, I don't love that. But then the next block of fixtures after the international break is Everton, home, Forest home, Luton away, Brentford home, which will then bring us up to the third international break. So it's certainly game week nine is when I definitely want to own Mohamed Salah again. The question then is, do I need to go there beforehand or do I just stick with my strategy, which was spreading the cash around the squad and going without him? I'm not going to captain him. So do I really need him? And I, and I still think I'm in that camp. Um, Once I make those transfers I made that I mentioned earlier, 
I think my squad will be looking a lot healthier. I'll be a lot happier with it. And I still don't really fear Mohamed Salah. I know not pe- a lot of people are probably going to buy him this week, next week. But I think I'm still happy to wait until around game week nine. And that might be that might be uh, involved in a wild card, maybe around game week nine, game week 10. So I don't think I'm going to worry about my budget this week when I make my transfers. I think I'm going to go and get Trippier. And I'm going to go get the other guys. And I probably will only have maybe 0.1 or 0.2 left in the bank. So I'm basically deciding I'm not going to get Salah until around game week nine. So maybe even game week eight for the, for the Brighton game because they're not great defensively. But yeah, to me, it still feels okay. Yes, he's been chipping away nicely while the others haven't been. But again, that can change quickly as well. You know, even if Salah continues to perform well, all I really need is some of the others to start doing something, anything. You know, I'm looking at you, Bruno Fernandez. you know, players like that. Watkins, just do a little bit more. And then I don't need Salah because it should balance itself out. So, uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on him? Are you think we're getting him soon or are you going to hold off? Well, it's funny enough, whilst you were just talking there, I thought, you know, I'm just going to double check how easy it would be for me to get him in because I was bragging earlier on about how much cash I have. Um, as in not only Matty, but just I have 4.9 in the bank. I can this week do Gabriel to Botman and Foden to Salah. Two free transfers sorted. Which is super exciting because I feel like that could escape me. Do you know what I mean? Like there could be price changes that maybe lock me out of that, which is hilarious because at the beginning of the video I said I'd never worry about that. Um, I am I am really excited about Salah for um, especially game week nine. I think I want to get him in as soon as I possibly can, so I don't have to worry about it. Um, I did a bit of analysis um, in some more detail on stats of the day on Saturday evening. So if you've not had a chance to watch that and you want what I'm about to say in slightly more detail, go and check that out. Um, The thing about Salah is that his role has slightly changed, uh, but it's still good. He's more of a creative outlet in this team than necessarily the outright goal scorer. Um, but he's definitely still the most likely to score from the numbers. And so then when you combine that with the fact that he's all of a sudden become incredibly creative, I think that he has the ability to explode fairly soon. So over the first five game weeks, no player in the entire Premier League has created more big chances than him. He's not necessarily created the most. Uh, funnily enough, the person who's created the most chances is actually Pedro Neto uh, with 17. You know, um, Fernandez, Alvarez, Gross, Saka, Matoma, Madison, Foden, all of these players have created more chances than him, but he's the one creating the bigger ones, um, which is interesting to see because he's actually technically now the most creative player in Liverpool when Trent is also around. I mean, I know he's had this injury, but that's what Salah is bringing to this attack. And then when you move on to his um, goal for potential, it's a bit tempered from what we're used to. But if you're looking at those Liverpool fixtures and feeling like you need to invest, he's still the most likely to score because he's got the highest XG of any Liverpool player this season. Um, he's got more shots on target than any other Liverpool player. I think I think one player has maybe outperformed him for shots in the box. I think it's Diaz. Uh, Nunez has had more big chances than him, but it's only one extra big chance, and you would trust Salah with a big chance more than you trust Nunez. And of course, you trust Salah to start more games than Nunez. Uh, and then in terms of expected goal involvement in the Premier League, only in Burmo and Haaland have more than him so far. Penalties are, of course, factored into that, but his his open play is, is not bad either. So, and again, better than any other Liverpool player. So if you're if you're looking at those fixtures, I kind of just feel like Salah, it's either Salah or you're going to be having some frustrating afternoons and some frustrating evenings because I just, I'm not seeing enough. No other Liverpool player is, is emerging as an alternative. And I think that's the key here if you want to play fixtures. 
Um, it just isn't a solid enough alternative. So, and yeah, I said that that boosting creative potential, I think, makes him have slightly more potential for explosivity as well. So, could even be captainable when those fixtures turn. So, I'm very much looking at Salah and feeling like we need to. Uh, well, I need to sort him soon. It's very tempting that I could get him this week. Yeah, I haven't even I haven't even looked at. I I definitely could get him this week because I've got two frees. Um, but I don't even. I'm not even going to do what you did. I'm not even going to plug them in and see how I do it because I know what will happen. Yeah. I'll, I'll just want to do them and then I'll ignore my weaker links, which I think are are certainly in defence at the moment. So uh, the other thing about Liverpool as well is if I don't go for Salah just yet and I and I delay the wild card maybe till around game nine, who knows by then? You know, maybe there'll be an injury to one of their other attackers uh, and maybe someone like a Jota or a Darwin or someone is. You know, looking a lot more secure for minutes or a Gakpo. So things will change, I think, in the Liverpool team FPL-wise over the next few weeks as well. So just buying myself a bit of time on that. But again, I kind of went into the season and decided sells a lot of money. I like spreading the cash around the squad. And even though he is performing well, his numbers are good, I still don't think I need to change that approach. You mentioned Mbumo there. I still, you know, I still have him as my most wanted or one of my most wanted uh, over Salah and obviously it's a lot easier because of budget so I've talked about a few defensive transfers this week maybe Alvarez for Jackson but but soon after that you know I think Mbuma will probably come in for me before before Salah and Salah probably will be a wild card pick yeah I th- that had been my original plan I should just clarify that that my plan had been wild wild card game week nine and Salah was the first name on the team sheet and then you just kind of build around that um, so so I'm not ruling that out either um, it just sort of depends how I navigate in the next couple of weeks I think we talked about it earlier with Newcastle uh, I have to make a Salah decision in order to make my Trippier decision because those moves I mentioned there Trippier would just completely lock me out I mean I've, again I'm doing what I shouldn't do I've been playing around with the team I could also for a minus four do uh, Jackson to to Alvarez for example so there's other things I could do and I probably need to work out just how important Trippier is because I'm getting excited by what I can do here <laughs> So yeah, lots of dis- lots of factors to sort of weigh up. Newcastle and Liverpool very much two teams that um, the decisions about each one will impact the other. So it's worth making uh, absolutely considerations there. Well, uh, with that, that's the end of our orders uh, this week. So before we uh, before we shoot off and get back to not playing with our FPL teams because that's dangerous, um, I will just remind everybody to, of course, sign up for Fantasy Football Scout membership. A couple of the numbers we've, we've talked about here you'll be able to find uh, in there. Still got that 30% discount, so don't uh, forget that. If you've enjoyed this, don't forget to like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel um, or the podcast platform that you're accessing us on and uh, hit the bell notification on YouTube so you don't miss anything else. We've got all sorts of other content coming this week uh, and uh, also, should just point out actually that we've got Champions League coverage as well that um, is, is is back uh, well, by the time that you're um, listening to this and watching this then I think the deadline for Game Week 1 will have passed but with uh, if you follow at Fantasy UCL Pod on Twitter um, and on your on your various podcast platforms uh, you'll be able to get regular coverage of the fantasy uh, game for the Champions League throughout the group stages and of course into the knockout stages as well from our good friends at Fantasy Football Community so make sure you check that out uh, as well uh, that's all I've got to, to add on Mark unless there's anything else you'd like to uh, to tell these fine folks before we finish no that's it good chatting again David uh, best of luck for the game week ahead I'm looking forward to seeing what you end up doing with your transfers and because I can see the Salah temptation <laughs> on your face now and very interested to see what your 
dad follows up team tim ream with next Ooh, week so uh, yeah. we'll see what he does it's gonna be good yeah I, I will i will not ask him and it will be a big big old surprise next week so yeah looking forward to that well with that we shall leave you fine folks to the rest of your tinkering and we shall see you next time